Welcome to Chat and Mock's Way. Brendan is away this week, and I'm here to tell you that you need to visit the website at www.chatandmock'sway.com. And if you like us, you'll leave on on iTunes. Thanks for listening. Happy birthday to us. <laughs> That's the end. That's the only song that I'll do. It is a sweetheart. You're welling up. You're welling up. That's That's a little gesture. Deeply touching. Hi, everybody. Guess what? It's one year that we've been doing this. And for the first time ever, it's Chat 10 Looks 3 with alcohol. I know. (laughs) How badly could this go wrong? (laughs) What could possibly go wrong? I'd like to set the scene. We're actually sitting in Salesy's. Well, you've half moved out, so all you've got left is two motorcycle helmets, a piano, <laughs> an outdoor setting, which we're now perched at in your kitchen. <laughs> I tell you what, this place looks a whole lot different from the way it looked in those real estate photos. <laughs> what about... Yeah, I know. Look, it really does. The poor people who The purchaser of a lovely, go, lovely... Oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. You want to see what my real interior design skills are like? over now. Yeah, it looks like um, a tin table. It does, and that's why Hello. everything's so echoey, sorry, because it's basically an empty room. Um, and so we're having, we're treating ourselves to a bottle of champagne to celebrate having done one year of Chat 10 Looks 3 episodes. 52 episodes. <laughs> Pig's ring. <Yeah. laughs> I love that expression. I've never heard Pig's ring. Yeah. I just don't, don't you get that in primary school? No, because Queensland is a more that would use a more crass expression involving pigs. <laughs> I love your tweet the other day to James McGrath. James McGrath's this um, Queensland National Liberal National Party um, senator who um, used to work for Boris Johnson and now is sort of Malcolm Turnbull's numbers man. Hardly anyone's ever heard of him. He's quite a funny guy, and he. Um, stress eats Milo when he's upset <laughs> and we did a little episode of um, a little sort of kitchen cabinet spin-off thing with him when I visited him in his office and he basically made me a dish that was ice cream Milo and Bundaberg rum. Was that delicious? I, I hate to say it but yeah it was actually I, I really thought it nice. looked like a big bowl of like Bailey's Irish cream basically. It's just a boozy smoothie. Yeah. Mm. When you were eating it, I was looking at it thinking, mm, that looks delicious. Hey, speaking of which, I know it will sound but like... You said of a tweet saying, like, I'm just so incredibly proud of you as a Queenslander. <laughs> you make me proud to be a Queenslander, coming up with a dessert like that. Um, yeah, the only thing missing was pineapple. <laughs> um, now, I know it will sound like a plug, but that is part of your Canberra Go Eldesco. Clang! <laughs> Canberra Eldesco um, yeah. show that's on iView, which I binge-watched yesterday because I was having a fairly quiet day um, and found many hilarious moments in it. My top three were James McGrath having the Milo ice cream bundaberg smoothie. The idea is we drop in on people having lunch and see what kind of pathetic desk <laughs> lunch they're having. <laughs> Jackie Lambie was sort of, it's a different thing, which is reading aloud constituents' letters. Yeah. Also well worth a watch, uh, people, um, where she's talking about some correspondence she's had with a hot tradie and she somehow managed to lose the guy's email address and so she ends the piece by saying, and hot tradie, if you're watching, please get back in touch. And also all the girls in the office also thought you were really hot. 
So that was extremely amusing. The other we spent 20 minutes while she was trying to find that email. She's just going through a contact folder and then she's going through and she's ringing the Devonport office and saying, no, the hot train, no, he said, no, he had no shirt on. <laughs> like, it's like she had to really sort through the files of hot trainees and then contact her. And like in the thing, she's like, I get a lot of that. I've got to say, I've got a lot of that. <laughs> She's she so funny. Oh, she was great. She was really, really likeable and funny. Um, and my third favourite moment was the Prime Minister, Malcolm Turnbull, generally considered to be a Renaissance man, admitting that he had no idea what a Nenish tart was. Yeah, it was a sickening moment, wasn't I mean, it, really, for the people? Obviously. Living that cloistered existence that he's lived, I mean, not ever having had a Nenish tart. I just love that some constituent wrote to him and said, look, this letter just says straight out, how do you feel about Nenish tarts? And of course, like Malcolm Turnbull can pronounce the term Nenish tart. It's just like, you know. <laughs> it's like Malcolm that. Yeah. Oh my God. So funny. Nenish tarts. So he's kind of reading out this letter. Where do you stand on Nenish tarts? And he's well, went and consulted some dictionary or something. Of course. I googled it immediately. <laughs> it turns out it's. Um, Mm. A delicious dessert. I think they asked what his favourite bakery treat was, and he said he wasn't much of a one for pastries, which means he's yeah. not a friend of this podcast. No, I know. I think he just eats Chinese herbs. <laughs> Remember when he lost all that weight? Yeah. Yeah. I do. Mm. And he's, in, you know, it's extraordinary, really, because it turns out, really, the secret to losing weight is just eat less. <laughs> but the reality is, and I drink vile tinctures of if strange. The if the choice were between a six pack stomach mm. and, you know, I'm not talking obese, but, you know, generally soft stomach. Comfy. But regular bouts of cheesecake, I'd prefer to have the latter. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, I'm not... You've reached that point in your you. life, haven't you, love? <laughs> I don't need to go beyond the cell with you. <laughs> um, now, yeah, so that's, uh, yeah, Aldesco. Come and for your memoir, you know, 15 years in a girdle. <laughs> <laughs> they don't call them girdles now, darling. They call them shapes. Shapewear. Mm. Oh, shapewear. Shapewear. Yeah, shapewear is certainly a more pleasing word than girdle. Yeah. Girdles are very unattractive. It's got some unfortunate connotations. Mm. Mm. But that is what it is, ladies. If you're in Spanx, you are wearing a girdle. <laughs> um, now, what else have you been reading and doing? Ah, you've really put me under pressure. Um, do you know, today I was reading this book. I was rereading one of my favourite books and because um, I was reading this week about that um, fabulous ANU study looking at the class system in Australia mm. and like the ABC is actually running it on the website you can um, fill out this kind of questionnaire to determine what class you're in you know right. and it's quite interesting it uses all these different um, kind of means of determining class that apart from just you know sort of how much money you make or assets you have or whatever and there's all these questions like do you know anyone who's a bus driver? Do you oh. know anyone who's a CEO? Do you know anyone who is a postal worker? Or, I know all you know, of those people. Right. See, the thing is it probably the system breaks on someone like you, probably just interviews lots of different people and so right. on. Um, but then there's, um, in the last 12 months, have you been to the opera? Mm -hmm. Listened to jazz? <laughs> um, been to the football, you know, played video games. Like it's, oh, it's this sort of calculus and, and you fill it out online and then you hit bing, which class are you? And I royally screwed it up because I, you know, 
hastily misread the because I am an idiot, the first question. And oh. I thought it was asking me if I was a bus driver or a bus oh. flyer, so I hit none of the above. Oh. And then at the end, it told me that I was a, um, an establishment working class, probably in my late 60s, who oh. never left the house. And I'm like, well, that seems right. <laughs> I thought you were going to say yeah. a Chardonnay sipping socialist. No, so next story. No. no. Could have told us that. <laughs> um, anyway, but nonetheless, very interesting. And it reminded me of this, God, it's such a cool book. It's called Watching the English, and it's written by an anthropologist, an English anthropologist called Kate Fox. Mm. And it's the most fun work of anthropology ever. It's a, it's a kind of like a field spotter's guide to class in England. Mm. And she goes through all these different um, indicators and um, parts of life and how you spot what class someone's in. And it's sort of like... Do you have petunias in your garden? You're almost certainly middle class. What do you call oh. the evening meal? Dinner or tea? You know? <laughs> and then um, and it's one of those books where you kind of read it without, you can't help yourself but just going, what, 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 oh, I do that. Oh, jeez. Oh, what does that oh, mean? That sounds great. I'm hopelessly pretentious. Or, oh, my God, I'm a complete bogan. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and then, um, but the great, like, it has the greatest intro. Um, because she is an anthropologist and she's studying her own people, she does this test on herself and because she's examining this um, whole um, phenomenon about the English. You know how people often say, oh, English people just apologise all the time. You know, if, if you bump into them, they'll apologise to you. Right. And so she did this experiment on herself where she went to Paddington Station and bumped into as many people as she could deliberately mm. in a one-hour period to see how many people apologised to her. Yeah. But... In order to undertake this experiment, she had to go to a bar and drink several <laughs> scotches first because it was so repellent to her, like the idea of deliberately inconveniencing somebody. So she had to get really smashed first. And it turns out like 80% of the people apologised to her. I mean, the, 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 wow, the phenomenon really stood up. But it's the most engaging, funny, funny book. And um, I'd sort of forgotten about it for a few years. Oh, and when I, ran, when I read that story, um, I thought, oh, that book? And I just sort of dipped into it for about an hour today and just thought, oh, That God. sounds great. It reminds it's me so of a cool. story that we had on 7.30 report last night about... Um, you know what's just called 7.30 now, right? Sorry. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> I personally have never approved of that. I'd like it to be 7.30 report. Visit our website. <laughs> um, it was about this girl who um, has... You know how everyone who's on Facebook ever has always had the thought at some point, are all of these people really my friends? No, you know, of course they're not, blah, blah, blah. She's devised this categorisation method for determining not just her Facebook friends, but anyone she knows, what level of friend are you? <laughs> so they're all named like, you know, acquaintance, you know, pre-acquaintance, acquaintance level 54321, pre-friend and friend. <laughs> Jesus. And you have to do a written exam to get from... Basically. Yeah. And, it and was, are they visible categories? Do those people know they're in those categories? Well, they did in our story because everyone was invited around for a dinner party and told which level of person they were. Oh my God, that's and, so good. Oh, it was hilarious. And so basically, so she did this process of her 400 Facebook friends. She, or, Sorry, of all of her friends, she, just, she determined <laughs> on her own schema that she has one true friend. <laughs> wow, no pressure. Funny, like, so this girl, my favourite moment of the story was several of her friends find this system ridiculous and offensive and don't like being categorised like this, you know, surprisingly. Um, anyway, one this of totally them, sounds like something you would do, by the way. Oh, completely. <laughs> That's a whole separate story. I wonder how that story got to where it sounds like 
Put it to air. This is my way of telling you that your acquaintance level four. I know. <laughs> um, but there was this one girl I think was acquaintance level three and they were having this exchange and this girl found it pretty, dis she was really disdainful of it. And the girl doing the system said, but I mean, you're happy with the level that we're at, aren't you? And the girl said, <laughs> yes, I think we're at the appropriate level. <laughs> There's no real future in this. Yes. We'll continue to say hi to you. each other at parties. <laughs> and I might they, take a step back. And then they also had the girl who was oh proved God. to be the one true friend. So, yeah, no pressure on her. And was she just a bit, did she have swivelling eyes? She was, she was <laughs> just sort like, of where are the goddamn flattered, flattered and, and overwhelmed. But anyway, it was super um, funny and oh engaging. Yeah, so I really enjoyed it. Um, I just today started reading a book called A Spool of Blue Thread by Anne Tyler. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Have well, that you? is highly convenient because I read that um, a few weeks back. And um, I really like Anne Tyler. I yeah. She's great. Do you know, I've not read anything by her before. Like, oh, I constantly yeah. find this where I happen across some writer that I was like, oh, God, oh, there's marvelous. a huge back log of... Right. Know, the accidental, accidental Tourist, I think, would be her most famous book. Right, like, okay, but yeah. I mean, that's... Oh, I think so old. The, that it's really old. I think she got the Pulitzer not that long ago for... No, <laughs> off the top of my head, I think she got it for breathing lessons or something maybe. But anyway, right. she writes about basically family I'm life. Idiot. Clearly. Yeah. Um, kind of little five, actually, I think. Uh, <laughs> you're failing <laughs> miserably. Oh, my God. I'm just, I'm just sinking. The thing that's um, good about the champagne here tonight, I think, is that probably most listeners of Chat 10 Looks 3 would think there's just a not, not enough mindless giggling. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, anyway, she writes that. about families in America. Yeah. Uh, and I think she's a really fantastic, insightful writer. And from about the first page, I was completely hooked yeah. into it. Well, it's all about um, these sort of adult children coming together to manage the decline of their parents, right? Um, and I, I don't know. There is something particularly engaging about that. No offence, mum, mum, dad, or... Um, Mom par sales <laughs> for us at our time of life, right? Where you're just kind of like, oh, God. Have you actually got to the point where um, you go to your parents' house and they're trying to give things to you? Um, I haven't been to my parents yet, but I took home from my mother-in-law's place the other day a um, trifle bowl of hers that I've always admired. No, not things like that, but they're always trying to give me money. And then I'm always, it's, it becomes a thing where they give me money, I go, I don't Where was that 30 years ago? <laughs> I'm like, oh, Dad, come on, you know, Mum, come on, whoever. I don't need money. I don't need money. It's fine. And so then I go and hide it back in one of their drawers, and then I find it hidden back in my handbag, and then I go and put it back in, you know, one of their things. So I always say to them, I'm going to be absolutely furious if I discover when they die that they've been like hoarding money or stuff to give to their children and going without themselves. Yeah, that's right. The sort of God, that's, all, that's an almost on. sort of rodent like. <laughs> It's a rodent-esque oh, kind sorry, of, kind of behaviour. Like, well, it's just like naked mole rats, you know, or squirrels. I'll tell you what, the, come, the, come the nuclear apocalypse, though, I'm going straight to Dale Sales's place. Of course, Dale Sales is a survivor, oh, I reckon. Oh, completely, yeah. yeah. So there'll be a bunker out there with tinned food and weaponry, I'm sure. Yeah, my dad is a bit like that, like, I reckon. I yeah. think we'd be pretty solid yeah. to go in the direction of South Australia or Queensland. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my dad has a hovercraft as well, which is like... A hovercraft? That would be handy. Wow. Yeah. What does he use that for? Uh, burning up and down outside the lower light pub and impressing his mates mainly and burning the skirt out. He's burnt the skirt out of it a few times. Oh, I think I can tell you what class you're from. <laughs> <laughs> I 
That is very good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just your parents the ticket box for that. Yes. <laughs> oh, I think he bought the hovercraft from some guy at the pub. Well, we've got a quad bike <sighs> up in Queensland. So. I can't place that. Yes. <laughs> I see your hovercraft and I race my family's quad bike. But what do you call your evening meal? Mm. Well, actually, when we were growing up, we called it tea. Yeah, me too. Okay, right. So there you go. There you go. But now probably I say dinner. Oh, well, there you go. That's mobility in action, mate. <laughs> so, I oh, bet you've seen that you've listened thing? to jazz in the last year, haven't you? I can just <laughs> sense it. Have you composed your own spoof musical in the last, I don't know, let's say 24 hours? <laughs> <laughs> Funny you should raise. Oh, no, I knew it. Composition. Because... Um, I had a little bit of free time on my hands today and knowing that it was our first anniversary podcast, it seemed like it would be remiss, frankly, to not be bouncing about like a puppy ever since I got here. I thought there might be something like this going on. (laughs) Exactly. Now, we are tethered together, so come on over with me to the piano. (laughs) Bring your champagne, look. Bring your champagne. Um, Bring the bottle and render you unconscious with it when you're not looking. Now, I happen to know that this is one of the few show tunes that you actually like. Okay, let's just... I'm going to set the scene here, um, just in case... I never escape from this layer of torture. Uh, <laughs> seemingly effortlessly and whilst actually technically attached to me, Lee has now left the garden setting, moved over the empty floor and flowed onto the piano stool of her, still oddly enough in this house, piano, <laughs> where propped up on the, um, whatever that thing is, what is that, a music stand? stand. <clears throat> Thank you. Are uh, just sheafs of handwritten notes. Now, um, yeah, I hope I can remember how to play it. Cause oh, I see what you... Oh, yes. I do love this song. I know. Oh, it's another Tim Minchin cry yes. for help, isn't it? Now, so what I thought I'd do was... So it's, it's something... Well, whatever's going to be done, you're doing all of it. I am so, doing yeah. all of it. That's right. I'm not imposing on you to do any of it. Um, one quick note of warning. <laughs> so my children are asleep upstairs, and as you know... Oh, I can't see that being violated know, by whatever exactly. you're about to do. Um, as you know, but our... Listeners don't know, my one-year-old this evening has been absolutely feral. And so if the piano wakes him up, we are about to have the mother of all chat-tan interruptions. Your children will be upstairs with their heads under the pillows trying to pretend that you're not their mother. So just don't worry about it. They're not coming down. (laughs) They'll be going, oh, mum, another show tune. So this is a song that we talked about in a previous podcast when you went to see Matilda and mm. you said, when I grow up, what a fantastic song. It was just really a lovely song um, and was probably the only show tune you've ever actually admitted to liking. It's not so, true. I, li- I, I liked all of the chorus line, as you know. And actually, that is completely true. So um, as a special gesture, I thought I'd play one that you actually like, that, of course, being indicative of my elevated class. <laughs> <laughs> but... I've actually, of course... It's like we, giving somebody macaroons. <laughs> it's like, it's totally UC. Um, I have, of course, completely bastardised it and written lyrics about us, but because it's such a nice song and because we've referred to it previously and it's probably not a household-known song, I thought I should <laughs> sing the actual song just to tell people oh, the nice song. Will this involve you having more time at the piano and... <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, it's a beautiful song. I've Thank only, you, Tim Mitchell. One day can you marry both of us. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Tim, for allowing us to probably violate some sort of copyright by doing this in this manner. Um, and, God, I haven't had a lot of practice on it, and as you can see, there's no music written down, so I hope I can fudge my way through it. Anyway, here we go. When I grow up, 
be tall enough to reach the branches that I need to reach to climb the trees you get to climb when you're grown up. And when I grow up, I will be smart enough to answer all the questions that you need to know the answers to before you're grown up. I grow up, I will eat sweets every day on the way to work, and I will go to bed late every night. And I will wake up when the sun comes up, and I will watch cartoons until my eyes go square, but I won't care cause I'll be all grown up when I grow up. When I grow up, I will be strong enough to carry all the heavy things you have to haul around with you when you're a grown-up. And when I grow up, when I grow up, I will be brave enough to fight the creatures that you have to fight beneath the bed each night to be a grown-up. When I grow up, I will have treats every day and I will play with things that mums pretend that mums don't think are fun. <laughs> and I will wake up when the sun comes up and I will spend all day just lying in the sun and I won't burn cause I'll be all grown up when I grow up. Oh, I hate to say it but you really you did a lovely job of that. <laughs> Do you know, there were some moments there where I was so stirred that I just actually felt like bursting into the supporting lyric. And I just thought, no, no, no. It's, you it's actually a lovely I, I did. I really did. I, I actually did. And then I just thought, best to just stand on the sidelines in my leg calipers. Oh, excellent. That's exactly what I like from a companion. Acquaintance level two. Moving up all the time. Um, okay, so now this is the one... Um, so, taking a lovely little song mm. and completely basketball. Murdering it. Exactly. <laughs> Happy birthday, darling. Happy birthday, love. <laughs> when I grow up, me and Annabelle will make a podcast where we laugh our asses off and Ottolenghi is her fake boyfriend. <laughs> I will be purging all the books I bought before we stored them all on iPads, even ones that Annabelle's inscribed. <laughs> when I grow up, I will eat sweets every day on the way to work. This bit does not need rewriting at all. <laughs> And we will have a safe word, but that safe word becomes Prime Minister. <laughs> even though he does not know what a Nienish tart is. 
<laughs> when we grow up. <laughs> oh, sorry, I haven't, I haven't left enough visibility on the actual lyrics. Oh, here. what a blunder. started putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable. That's how I know you're really running out of ideas. I've only got four lines. I'm I know. Get and now we're just dissolving into the usual route of the street. <clears throat> and <laughs> oh, no, come on, we've got to get to it. <clears throat> and I always walk into... Now I can't even remember what the bloody rhyming scheme is. And I will always walk into your house and open every tin when you're not looking in the hopes that I can pilfer hidden treats when I grow up. <laughs> that was for you, love. Was a love, that is, that is a well-spent day. And I'm sorry oh, for turning up at your house empty-handed. I know. And look at the As disgusting state of the house. Yet yeah, I've got that song Actually, out. it's very, it's a simplistic elegance. Oh, Much man. like the spare charm of your lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> the great thing is we're still oh, tied together, two getting... drunk people oh. with, with wires. <laughs> I dispute that we're drunk. We're going to I know, but really, it's been one of those weeks. Cotton. I think I'm just about ready for Let a Let me talk you up, love. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. Quite enough giggling. This is why I took a taxi here. Excellent plan. Yeah, the only way um, this week could get any better would be for me to be arrested. <laughs> oh, God. Um, just speaking of Brendan getting angry reminds me, if you like my musical style, you can check out our website, www.chat10looks3.com. And if you really enjoyed it, leave us a review on iTunes. And if you're breaking your legs to get the hell out of here, then <laughs> go with our blessing. <laughs> When are we going to have some Chat 10 Looks that 3 merchandise? Good, I don't know. What would it be, though? Mm. God, it'd be quite random, wouldn't it? <laughs> Just like T-shirts with clang written on the front of them. Oh, they'll, they'll really go off. They'll go off. <laughs> they'll go viral. They'll go viral. They will. <laughs> I don't know. There's not really any catchphrases or anything, is it? Just interruptions, really. Yes. And then sort of shoddy workmanship. It'd just be like a T-shirt where the arm falls off. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like... 
Or just like the neck hole is stitched shut. <laughs> Like, I don't know, theoretically this ought to be a T-shirt. And then at some point, like, you know, Will Anderson walks past and goes, you know, there is actually a really classy, profitable way of doing this. So it would be actually something like where people would be looking at things and saying, like there'd be no actual Chat 10 Looks 3 written on it, but it'd just be a really crap looking shirt and they'd go, hey, Chat 10 Looks 3. <laughs> it looks shoddy. Where have I seen that before? Hey, you know, I'm yes. going on Will Anderson's podcast next no. week sometime. No, Toe Pop, is it called? Woe Pop or something? There's, there's a couple, which is why I'm not being a smartass. There's no, like, the philosophy one. He's got one called Tofop, but then I thought there was another one that came out that he was doing. Oh, God, that man's an industry, isn't he? He is. He's yeah. highly impressive, um, guy. Actually, I'll look it up right now okay, while we're great. talking, just so that we're not giving people... God, we're disinvited now. This is just a real... Do you know what we better do up? is what? listen back to this and make sure that it's actually suitable for broadcast and it's not too much giggling. Um, wow, because... <laughs> Yeah, we've never put anything to wear with a little bit of No, but this time people might say, oh, they were drinking shampoo. They've jumped the shark. Um, they've, they've, they've drunk the shark, actually. When you look down the um, list of... Oh, Willosophy, it's called. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay. So I was going to say Willosophy, but then I thought, well, was that the stage show that he did? No, is that's called... what it's called. I think exactly. there's another one called Tofop or something. Well, there's us. See, I'm just thinking, thinking, am I no, an idiot? Faux, but faux no, it turns out that you're the idiot. It's called Fofop. Right. Um, oh, no, hang on. In an alternative universe to Tofop, Will Anderson is joined by various guest Charlies. He must have multiple... So that's at least three podcasts that he's got. So oh, the champagne's so, really great. You're making no sense at all. <laughs> so what are, you to, what are you talking to him about on... Philosophy? I don't know. Now I'm really frightened. I think it's philosophy. Mm. So it must be Willosophy. Okay. Yeah. Do you know, um, so I've sort of worked with Will Anderson on a few occasions on mm. Gruen Nation. And, like, he's a very um, exacting on himself person. I don't know him very well, but mm. um, uh, I do know that he comes from a farm, a dairy farm, because I met his parents one night at a Gruen rap party, and they're just absolutely lovely, lovely people. I had lots of t chats about milking. Right. Um, but um, I've never seen anyone who can live, mm. insert edit points and like end a conversation with a perfectly timed witticism. I've just, the guy is a total machine. Mm. And like, cause you know, with Gruen, mm. um, and you know, it's just come back on air and of course, immediately it was gone flooding back to 8.30 PM on Wednesdays. Just, oh, thank God you're back. It's such a popular show and has been for so many years, but, um, it's recorded in front of a live audience and then it's sort of edited over the course of a day and then, you know, they cut about, only about 10 minutes out of it and um, mm. and it goes to where. But he can, in extraordinary, with extraordinary economy, bring a group conversation or panel discussion to an end, tie it in a bow wow. with a fabulous one-liner and then move things on. It's uh, it's extraordinary. It's a, wow. it's an incredible talent because you know, mm. I you know in kitchen cabinet I'll talk to someone for like five hours, and when we do the edit, like most of the time I spend vomiting into bucket because I'm <laughs> such an idiot. Like I just like I can't even ask a question. I'm like so anyway blah 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 blah. Half the challenge is actually trying to you know make some sense. I really envy that. Ability. Yeah, that's. I'd be curious to go and watch a record actually oh, to see that in yeah. action. It's pretty incredible. It's, yeah. Because there's a lot to concentrate on when you're doing a panel discussion or a live interview 
because you're listening very carefully to yep. what people are saying so you know where to get next. So, so actually to be thinking about where are the edit points is another layer of additional It's angst. weird. It's kind of like... Um, it's like working in four dimensions, you know? Because um, I always think about the difference between, you know, painting and sculpture is like sculpture, it's got to look good from every angle as mm. opposed to, you know, um, drawing or painting where it's yeah. two-dimensional. And doing a kind of live um, traffic management situation mm. like that in video like Gruen, which is mm. like full of people who all mm. want to have a go and have all got sort of something funny to say or mm. interesting to say. Plus in front of an audience, right? Right, yeah. yeah. It's quite... It's quite extraordinary. Mm, I don't know how you learn that stuff, but it's, um, I don't know. Very talented guy, obviously. Yep. Um, hey, I watched this week, because I know you mentioned it last week, but I don't think I'd watched it yet, A Beautiful Life. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought mm. it was really well done, except for the fact that I find Skeet so repellent and I find Roger Corsa so adorable. Is that that lascivious mouth? Oh, he's hideous. Oh. <laughs> he's just, he's, I don't mean the poor actor. He's probably, you know, feeling a bit now that I've insulted him. Sure, I'm sure he's been hanging on every word. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to end it all now. Sorry, Skeet, if you're a chapter listener. Yeah. No, it's not his physical appearance. It's the character and just the whole package, basically. Is it because he lives in that like abandoned terrace house in there's Melbourne a, where he records, you yeah, know? Yeah, there's a bit of that. There's a bit yeah. of, like, get yourself a job, Skeet, you muso slacker. <laughs> right. Oh, there goes our marriage to Tim Minchin, I suspect. <laughs> Thanks very much. No, really. <laughs> Cheers, mate. <laughs> um, um, no, he's, yeah, he, I, I don't find him, so for me there's a bit of a problem because I feel like with her, like I can't really see And she's so change. incredible as well. Like, mm. So that is clearly, see, I don't, I was not familiar with that um, actor, Sarah Snook. No, me either, name. but apparently she's done other stuff and is amazing. Well, she's extraordinary and mm. you just sort of look at her and she's got that kind of incredible luminosity mm. and depth and mm. you just sort of think, well, you're a megastar. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I always have a bit of a problem with programs and maybe it's just, you know, I'm just generally cynical or haven't experienced it, but um, the idea that, you know, you meet eyes with someone across a crowded room and it's like, oh, this is the love of my life that my whole world's going to be falling apart for, I find a little... Spoken like a lady whose kid just had a tantrum. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Um, no, that sort of... Um, I find that... I, I find that when Harry met Sally, theory of relationship evolution right, more yeah. persuasive than the you're a stranger... Than the lightning bolt. Yeah. I mean, there is a kind of element... I mean, obviously, this entire storyline apparently is, is borrowed from Anna Karenina, but it's just been, <laughs> has been given some sort of Australian <laughs> fox appeal. <laughs> I love that, you know, because we're constantly talking about nicking ideas from the Russians and, um, yeah. you know, that's the storyline, although I could have watched the whole thing and probably not picked that up, but then again, I'm quite obtuse about these was, things. Look, there was a few moments where I was thinking, am I, like, too deliberately looking for the Anna Karenina references? Like, for example, if you're watching Train, and I'm like... Yeah, but is this meant to be, like, you know, is she going to throw herself in front of this? That's too early in the plot. A friend of mine was saying, um, like, oh, about the first, about the first episode, you know, why, well, there's a bit that I didn't understand, like, because they're at the party and they're kind of flirting and then he walks into the taxi and she says, it's definitely not on, like, you're engaged to my blah, 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 mm. second cousin or whatever. And then she gets in the taxi, but she gives him her number mm. and then... He's texting her and calling, and she's not answering. And the next thing you know, they're doing it in the greenhouse. Like, what happened? Oh, and, and, but, yeah. but then my friend says, I don't know. Like, oh, maybe I should read Anna Karenina and it'd become clear. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> right, yeah, because the texting angle is very clear and in the, the Tolstoy version. <laughs> it's so 
Like, why are they banging in a greenhouse after texting each other in a apparently, you know, like the, the original, at least unilateral decision not to see each other again? The original, I mean, I think you do have to go back to the Russian to make that clear. <laughs> the taxis always turn around in Tolstoy. That's right, exactly. Oh, oh man. Just, that just made me laugh. A anyway, lot. I am enjoying it. I'm sort of looking it's forward great, to isn't it? episode yeah. three coming up this weekend. So now, um, time-wise, give me a little look at what's going on. I think I'll let I think us we run just a little bit long. I think we just go till dawn, don't we? Isn't that the plan? <laughs> yes, a special chat ten marathon. We're at thirty-five minutes, so um, if you need a wee, go now. <laughs> I'll just fill in with a little bit of elevator music, shall I? Oh, really? What an opportunity. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I don't really have that much else to talk about, to oh, be honest. Um, I've got something that I read that was new. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. So um, in the last week, yes. I have read quite obsessively mm. Greg Fleet's memoir oh, yeah. called These Things Happen. So mm. Greg, Greg Fleet is a um, comedian who's been kind of very famous Australian comedian for many years, and he's written this memoir. Now, the fact that he's had um, a problem with heroin over most of his life as a comedian, actor, mm -hmm. um, radio presenter, has never been a secret. Like, he did that show a while back, um, well, quite a while back, called Ten Years in a Long Sleeve Shirt, which yeah. I think got him a um, Perrier Award at the, Fringe, at the Edinburgh Fringe, or it certainly was, I think, a huge show for him in Edinburgh. And um, that was all about, you know, being a junkie and, um, and, and, and giving up the gear. Oh. Um, this is a memoir, which is like, it's one of the most excoriating works of autobiography I've read. Like, mm. it's clearly written by somebody who's decided to just pull the pin on all of the lies they've told and terrible things they've done. Like, it's this, it is a quite searingly honest, if I can use that cliche, searingly honest, um, account of some really terrible things in his life, but also a story about his um, early life before he um, started being a junkie, which was quite eye-opening in itself. Like he, when he was a kid, like he um, migrated to Australia from America with his parents. His dad worked for Ford. They lived in Geelong. And his dad, who was apparently this incredible philanderer, um, faked his own death when Fleet was a teenager. Mm. And so they like left his shoes on a jetty, literally, and um, so they thought that he was dead for a couple mm. of years. And then he bobbed up working in a real estate agency in Melbourne. Oh. And like, one of his mum's friends has just said, uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah, so your husband uh, selling duplexes, you know, oh. you know whatever. And so wow. she's, and in that time, he'd had another whole family, like got married bigamously under a different name. Oh. What? And wow. then had a couple more kids. And then when Fleet's mum's marched around there to, you know, look for suitable houses in the area and also say, oh, hey. You're my dead husband. Hi, yeah. The kids oh are wondering where you are. Um, the dad's response is to walk out on the new family and return to his... I know! Wow. But, I mean, so, look, there's lots about this book that is eye-opening and some of the um, terrible things that he confesses to are extraordinary, but also that kind of entree to life, you know. I mean, in the blackest possible way... 
if you're going to be a comedian, what about the material? Oh. I mean, you'd be a bit messed up, but wow. It's incredible that... <laughs> I could not put this book down, by the way. I could not put it down. When you've... Oh, Brendan's just texted me. I wonder if that's derailed our recording, because sometimes it does and it doesn't. It's okay. Cut um, off, Brendan. We're busy. <laughs> We're busy. <laughs> We're in charge now. Have you, have you seen our website? www.chatdownlooks3.com <laughs> Um... I was going to say backstories. Oh, yeah, yeah one of my favourite backstories. Uh, so another thing actually worth reading or listening to is Michael Fully Loves Boyer Lectures, which have just uh, finished, which is about foreign policy in Australia's place Delivered at various points of the globe, right? Exactly. Um, that really interesting and very erudite. Um, Mainly he just goes on about his smack habit, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Michael. Sorry. Um, he has got the greatest... Backstory ever, which that when he first told it to me, I went, Well, clearly, you're going to be the prime minister with that backstory. Which is that his parents met on the set of Skippy, his father was the director of Skippy, and his mother was Sonny's tutor. God. Hello, future prime it's minister, just gonna roll and roll. <laughs> that is the ultimate Australian backstory. It is, you can't get better than that. Other like than Malcolm that. Turnbull, his grandfather used to do sound effects at the ABC. Did really? you know that? No. But, his name was Oscar Lansbury. Oh. And he used to do that whole kind of like... Oh, right. You know, coconuts clopping together to be horses' feet and stuff. In the ABC, there's a framed photograph. It's a beautiful photograph of Oscar Lansbury, you know, doing some sort of sound effect while this woman is doing a radio play. Like oh, it's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, there yeah. you go. Mm. Yeah, I love those good Aussie backstories, but I thought that... The Skippy one was particularly oh, yeah, amazing. Awesome. And God, Michael, the fully so... love ascendancy approaches. Oh, absolutely. As soon as he gets back from wherever it was when he delivered the boiler. <laughs> That's right. Come home from Beijing. The, com the country needs you. You can come home. We've got the internet. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, they're really well worth listening to, actually. I thought they were extremely interesting. And I love people who can do the, you know, that sort of thing... Christopher Hitchens does it really well. John Micklethwaite at The Economist does it really well with some of his books where... They can step back and put all the pieces together. Yeah. So they know like about everything. Feels like they know like about everything in the world and everything in history, and so they manage to explain it all in context and that sort of thing. That's a bit what Mark George Megalodonis is a bit like that too. Mm. Kind of takes apart obvious things and then puts them together in a non-obvious way, which is really useful. Today, going along, I feel really out of my comfort zone. I feel just like. <laughs> We're over the deadline. We're over the deadline. I know. It's making yeah. me anxious. And I can see that now you're like, yes. I'm, I'm like, I'm really settling you. in. <laughs> I know. I'm like, well, no sleep till Brooklyn. You can keep talking. You yeah. keep talking. Um, I also have been reading um, Andrew Lee's book, The Luck of Politics. Oh, yeah, that's sitting on my table. And I haven't yeah, read. so he's the um, Canberra um, MP, a Labor MP, who he's an economist and He's written heaps of books, actually, right. um, and the latest one is particularly... He's got a sort of Malcolm Gladwell-esque ability to sort of pull out oh, great. kooky bits um, from popular culture and give it a kind of economic spin. He's the guy... We did a um, Canberra Eldesco mm -hmm. with him where he completely without irony, explains that he only ever eats peanut butter sandwiches and they are smooth peanut butter sandwiches because he's done the economic cost-benefit analysis for <laughs> how much effort goes into preparing the food oh, to how much kind of um, 
protein calorie intake is involved and how much chewing you have to do that's why he goes for smooth not crunchy i know hello but um he does write he really good like, books you know he should be acquaintance level one he doesn't mine. sound like great company <laughs> i know but he's actually entirely he and is he's, actually so the whole book is about um the way luck features as um a determinant in politics and it's huge it is it's it's a really it's a really interesting book i don't know he's a useful bloke i think um andrew lee he's, he's written a bunch of books that i've really enjoyed um i reckon that should be on the blurb the front cover he's a useful bloke annabelle crap <laughs> it's probably already there i don't know <laughs> <laughs> no he is actually he's got a great uh brain and he's a very interesting guy although didn't he get he got there was something in Parliament the other week where the Prime Minister was smacking him down. Oh, because he'd had to ask some questions about the Cayman Islands thing. And so right. the PM was saying, um, oh, I know that the member for Canberra would have been... No, he's not Canberra. What's his... Um, I forget anyway, whatever it is. Gabe Robin's Canberra, but he's yeah, sort of he's, Canberra. Um, is it Fraser? What is it? Um, member for Canberra-ish. <laughs> How embarrassing. I can't even remember. Anyway, he I blame was, the champagne. <laughs> um, he was getting sort of hammered. One of those ones where you feel like, oh, why don't hammer him? He's well, just... he's always getting hammered because he's always saying inconvenient things because they're a rational thing to say and he's sort right. of accidentally not consulted the playbook and so he was just <laughs> say, well, obviously we should do X. And then uh, everyone's like, oh, <laughs> oh resign. <laughs> Sensible thing, sayer. <laughs> Out you go. Funny. Hey, um, I haven't cooked anything out of your cookbook yet, but you did cook me those mushrooms in miso butter. Oh, I did. Yeah, we talked they about They were those, yeah. delicious. Miso and butter together at last. Oh, that was really, really nice. Actually, that whole, so last Saturday night we had a potluck at your place. That pork belly that your partner cooked was also just It was, it was sort of like smeared with lime chutney or something, wasn't it? Like it had a lot of... Like, I don't know what it was, but it was just absolutely scrumptious. And the kids were morphing down that pasta bake that I did out of the Women's Weekly cookbook, which was um, pesto pasta, pesto over shell pasta with some um, grated zucchini through it and some uh, grilled eggplant and cheese. Yeah, and eggplant crust. You had me at eggplant crust, I've got to say. Was it from the Women's Weekly cookbook or was it from the latest Women's Weekly? No, it was from the Women's Weekly Best Ever Recipes. Right, okay. Yeah. I've just started pouring over the, the um, while we're on kind of um, magazine tarting ourselves about um, the Gourmet Traveller has got just a really good party food. Oh, no, I should just, we should just shoot ourselves. We're obviously Stepford Wives ladies. It's got a marvellous party food to look at. <laughs> just such easy snacks for when friends drop over. Listen, it's I think just it's the gorgeous, step up to last gorgeous. week when we were talking about oven cleaning. Yeah, I know. Yes. It was all stab blenders last week and this week. It's like, oh, just little morsels, you know, just what you don't want. <laughs> um, did you, we had a nice tweet. Uh, from Tanya Plibersek saying, glad those cheese olives are still I in saw, circulation. I saw, and she very kindly put the recipe up. So if you like the sound yeah. of um, the cheesy olives that Annabelle outlined in the previous episode, have a look at the Chat 10 um, Twitter account, because we retweeted, or look at Tanya Plibersek's Twitter account. She t tweeted a photo of the entire That was really recipe. good. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah. You know that she's got um, a cookbook like a, a, a little like full scap notebook that she's had since she was about 10 right. with handwritten recipes oh, that people great. have given her in them. And when we went and did Kitchen Cabinet with her, like, I don't know, years ago, um, I went through this cookbook and it's so cool. It's just, you know, 
you can actually see how her handwriting changes over yeah, the years. Yeah, right. And there's like recipes, like the cheesy olives, I think, were a recipe that her first boyfriend's mum gave her. Oh, right. Like, they are so good. I mean, I've, I've enthused uh, about them here before, but. Um, I've got a little book like that that dates from about 1995, I think. And risk. I write down the person's Your Highland name. Dancing Days. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> no, my Highland dancing days were long over by then. Really? Um, or were they? <laughs> You're so desperate if to tweet that photo. We had aren't some you? photographic evidence. Just listeners, so you know, Crab's got her hands on a photo of me in my <laughs> Highland dancing outfit, um, circa about '84, and she is desperate. It to is tweet it. the greatest thing I've ever seen in my <laughs> whole life. You look so crazed. <laughs> And you've got about 50 different plans, plans on. It's just, wow, it's really, it's headache-inducing. I still quite like the sound of a bag. Plus your little carrot top as well. You're just like, oh, just look in the mirror and take one thing off. That's why I was so popular at school. But the great thing is you've what got this fabulous with? smile on your face. You're like, I am really happy with this look. And you just, Very it's the most sympathy-inducing what do, you think, what do you think it was that made me such a hit with the boys? Was it the Highland dancing? Was it the organ playing? Or was it the red hair? Or was it the um, riding around on your bike pretending to be Nancy Drew? I don't know. I don't know. Yes, sex pot. <laughs> oh. um, what were we saying before we got in, into that? <sighs> Just think we're talking about um, Tanya Plibbers' second cookbooks. Oh, cookbooks. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I write down the recipe and I write down the person's name and the date mm. when they gave it to me and it's actually a really it's almost like looking at a photo album because it brings back oh that's right that's when Tony and Monique came to Washington or that's when you know so and so blah 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 so it's actually very nostalgic I yeah I've got a um, book that I write down recipes and what I cooked for people or you know whatever recipes people give me and then I also write down funny things that my kids say so it's like this oh, sort yeah. of it's a bit of a family diary and it's really nice because the children like going through it and, yeah. and like having stupid things that they've said read back to them because they sort of <laughs> enjoy it. I keep a um, book of all of the nicknames that I've given to my children because I'm a just inveterate giver of nicknames to people and the children have probably each gone through about 35. <laughs> so I've kept a list of them for some silly reason which entertains me no end when I go through and read them. And you see the way they evolve into, like one of them was named... Parco, and then it became Taco, and then, and bizarrely, so one of them I called Parco, and then the next one I was calling Julio, it's sort of weird. Yeah, right. We've had this Mexican theme, so they sort of evolve into, and I can tell you even where Taco came from, because my friend Benjamin Law came around and watched me, you know when the babies are really little, you do the rap, so they, yeah. they can't move around too much when they sleep, and he said, when I did it in front of him, he went, oh, it's exactly like doing a Vietnamese spring roll. Very much so, <laughs> a bit less iceberg lettuce. <laughs> and so it reminded me of, made me think of burritos and tacos and, you know. All that He's a very funny man, that guy. Absolutely hilarious. But I've never made a Vietnamese spring roll. Have you? Okay. Have I never done it? Oh, my God, I would do it very regularly. Let's have a class. Right. Let's do it. Okay. Um, now, I, I sense that you are edging towards a conclusion because you're just looking, you're just like panic eating water crackers. I just, you've shotgunned about 10 in the last <laughs> minute. Um, but I think... Maybe we should acknowledge at the end of this podcast that 
It's been a year, and you have just been given the greatest present of all. What, that your company? No, well, obviously <laughs> that. But who are you interviewing? Oh, my soon? God. Okay, are you ready to talk about it? Because Julie Andrews. I'm interviewing Julie Andrews in a couple of weeks. Um, let's just say I won't be busting out any musical numbers. <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit... Um, I think I've shared my theory before about... You're just going to lose it, aren't you? <laughs> this is going to be quite messy. I don't really like interviewing people that I admire or feel a sort of, you know, any level of emotional attachment to. You nearly died when you had to interview Steve Toltz, remember? Oh, that was... I was really panic-stricken from the car park. Um, and the toilet. And the... <laughs> And the cube. And the table. And Coffee the, like, cube. He's walking towards me. He's looking towards me. I'm going to hang up. Um, no, because just the... It's better to, you know, leave... I think if you sort of like somebody's work or whatever, just let the work speak for itself. Like, having said that, I am interviewing Julie Andrews. But I think, like, you know, The Sound of Music is one of those films or Mary Poppins or what, Victor Victoria or whatever. But The Sound of Music in particular is one of those films that, like, everyone has watched that film as a child. It's like Star Wars. Like, I was thinking the other week about, because there's another Star Wars coming out, if Harrison Ford were available, would I want to interview Harrison Ford? Now, he has a reputation as a notoriously bad interviewee, so he probably wouldn't. But even if he were a good interviewee, I mean, do you want to mess with your childhood nostalgia like that by interviewing Harrison Ford? Probably not, I don't reckon. See, you're gabbling already. You haven't even started to interview her. This is going to be a car accident. <laughs> it's going to be a car accident. Also, it's going to be hard because what, what can you ask Julie Andrews that she hasn't been asked? I reckon you'll start blathering about, you know, Rupert Everett's memoirs and, you know, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. I'll be like, oh, your dress, it's lovely. Was it made out of curtains? <laughs> if you use the term throat polyps at any oh, point, I think. God. Oh, God. Yeah, I know. So I am sort of obviously excited about meeting Julie Andrews, but also terrified. I reckon you'll get it together, actually. I'm being cruel, but... Um... <coughs> no, it's one of, those, um, one of those ones that I think is a little bit... You know... Is it in person? Will you be able to touch her? <laughs> yeah, I will be able to touch her. Um, Imagine yeah. how often she gets really badly touched. <laughs> Because you just... Imagine if you were one of those major me. fans, you'd just do anything to touch her. You'd just go, oh, bugger it. Bugger up. Bugger Imagine all how much she must have people just walking up to her with tears in their it. eyes going, yeah. oh, Julie, you know. You should go to the things. shops if you're Julie Andrews. Oh. Just be like, oh, thank you. You're so kind. Thank you. She's so very recognisable. She looks just like what she's always looked like. She's very yeah. recognisable as well. But I did listen to that podcast I like that Alec Baldwin does. Here's the thing. He did an interview with Julie Andrews, which was really fantastic. It was so interesting and full of amazing and intriguing trivia about um, her career and I think we talked about it in a yep. previous episode when we destroyed my favourite things. <laughs> God, yes, exactly. Doesn't that seem like eons ago? Wow. Does it feel like a year that we've been doing this to you? I hope she doesn't tune into our website. <laughs> oh, God. Um, no, I'm sure she wouldn't. It doesn't um, seem like a year, actually. No, it sort of zoomed by. And amazingly, because it always feels like we're just... Uh, yapping on speaking nonsense to each other. Um, I had a look this week because it was the one year to see how many people, I looked on the website to see how many people subscribe. More than 70,000. That's very weird. That's more than in my family plus your family, even with the <laughs> hovercraft fanciers who I count as my 
know, the people that dad's keeping in the nuclear bunker. It's yeah. got quite 70 grand. That is impressive. Mm. Um, yeah, so anyway, I have to say, one of the nicest things about the last year is like, I've met some incredibly excellent people who really I only know because they have listened to the podcast and come up and say hello or yeah. like hand over cakes or mm. and and you can really tell a podcast listener because they'll just come up and give you a giant hug or you know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a really interesting thing, isn't it? Well, it's interesting for me because previously uh, <laughs> because of my 7.30 persona, people tend to be somewhat scared of me. <laughs> <laughs> tend to give me a wide berth um, or approach me with some level of trepidation. Whereas the chat 10 listeners barrel up like they're my best friend and want to have a chat, which is really, really lovely. Um, and interestingly, over the year too, now probably I'd say 50-50, possibly even more actually, chat 10 people come up to talk to me in the street than 7.30 viewers. Even though I know there are more 7.30 viewers, but chat 10 listeners seem to be more interested in coming up and having a chat. One of the greatest compliments, actually, I think I've told you before that I look at occasionally the iTunes reviews that Brendan's always directing people into. The best one ever is that lady who said, God, it's the greatest podcast. I just love it. It's so cool. I've just never heard anything like it. Two out of five. <laughs> Two stars. She is excellent. That is fantastic. That's right. it's, just, it's just the best thing in my life. Two stars. Um, I liked the one which was the construction worker, like, yeah, look, I started listening to this because I needed something to to drown out the noise of an angle grinder. And all I knew, I knew sales as some harpy that rips into politicians and crab as something or other else. And, uh, yeah, it was actually pretty good. <laughs> um, that was my dad. Probably was. Um, but the thing While he was that, having his tea. <laughs> the thing, exactly. The thing that I've seen multiple people say is they feel like they're hanging around with us and feeling like they're trying to get a word in edgewise, but they can't, which I think is a really, really nice compliment that you actually feel like we're your friends, that we're hanging around with you. So that makes me... There's a spare seat at the outdoor setting in this <laughs> In this empty house. Room. Sadly, no more champagne to <laughs> be had. God, that whole bottle's gone. That's that a bit frightening. Us, yeah, it took us all of, what, 50... Seven minutes to get through. This is a total blowout. It's like a one-hour episode. It's, it's a double like banger. A special, it's a our Christmas special right here. Oh, let's give it another year before we lift a finger again, eh? <laughs> I think so. You guys just yeah, keep playing this over and over because we're giving ourselves a break. <laughs> or just lying down with a damp flannel <laughs> over our faces. That's my plan. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And thanks for the past year. It's We love our Chat 10 audience. You guys are awesome. Thank you.